0: Hello and welcome to The Wild Folk, a conscious business podcast for those seeking a slower, simpler and more aligned way of living and working. The Wild Folk is a podcast for those who create a fairer and greener world through their work. I'm Amy Coates, a freelance copywriter and brown storyteller living by the sea here in Ireland. So welcome, I'm so glad you found us.
1: Hello, and welcome to episode nine of The Wild Folk. So firstly, I just want to offer a little apology that I didn't get a episode out last Tuesday. It was such a glorious autumnal week here in Ireland. and I was just loving being outdoors in the forest, exploring the coastline, cozying up at night with my little family, that I decided to take a break from the show but I promise you that today's episode will more than make up for last week's silence. My conversation today is so rich um, and so beautifully packed full of inspiring thoughts and actionable tips. So we are heading all the way to the Antipodes to talk to Laura Gosney, who is based in Australia. Laura is a soulful website designer, creating purposeful, strategic websites for conscious businesses and passionate creatives. We talk about a whole host of issues um, such as accessibility, inclusivity, and most importantly, running your business soulfully. So I hope you enjoy this episode.
0: Well, Laura, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Laura is in Australia, so I'm super excited that she's hopped on the call tonight. It's my morning to come and chat. Well,
2: thank you
0: for having me. So, Laura, just give me a quick intro into who you are, what your business is, what lights you up? <laughs>
2: well, uh, so I call myself a soulful website designer. And as you said, I'm in Australia. I live in Mianjin, which is known as Brisbane here. And um, I help conscious creators and ethical small businesses to build a more remarkable digital presence that uh, helps them to stand out from the crowd and like lead with the heart. So I focus on creating functional and accessible and inclusive online spaces um, for businesses who want to do do better and be better and um still grow soulfully and sustainably because I believe that business could be like a force for good and that leading with your values is the best way to attract the like-minded community um that soulful businesses are kind of looking for and that will advocate for them so
0: that's you I love it so your web web developing is your thing basically for for people like me who know nothing about (laughs) websites. (laughs) Websites,
2: <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. So, um, just the whole like conceptualizing, conceptualizing, designing right through to the build of the website, so the whole thing. Do you know what? I've
0: actually never met a woman doing this job, I've met loads of kind of like office men that are like website designers yeah so it's really cool to speak speak to a female in this space and that's the great thing like Laura and I connected on Instagram and that's just the amazing thing about social media you get to come across all these soulful creatives um, and you wouldn't otherwise have encountered
2: so how did you get into this kind of work then well I kind of so I have a marketing background so um I had kind of a circuitous journey into design And um, so I'd been working in marketing for a few years already. And then I moved to London um, and I was actually hoping to pursue a career in writing and um, but because London is expensive, (laughs) I had to get a job. So I took a job as a marketing executive and um, around the same time I started a blog, a lifestyle and travel blog, and just became super obsessed with my website and like keeping it up to date and making it look nice and um, then I started to take responsibility for the website that my work so because they were they're a software company they had a few different product websites and um so they had about six websites and I um like looked after them and moved them from Weebly to WordPress and uh like designed and built them and everything like that and then a few other websites kind of came my way and then I was like kind of hooked And so when I moved back to Australia, I started freelancing as a marketing consultant, but I kept being drawn to the website design um, side of things and um, I loved it. So I just decided to go with my soul, with my heart and um, claimed the name Website Designer, which was like a scary thing for me to do as uh, someone not from a design background, but – yeah, it feels really good. And now I get to help people like doing something that I love, I get to help people create a more soulful digital presence. And so it's oh, great. Oh, I love it. And I've had so
0: many conversations um with other business owners and creatives about just like saying, I am a website designer. I am yeah. a writer. And especially if you haven't trained, and it actually has really opened my eyes to how many people are really thriving in their businesses, but did like a completely different university course or came from a different professional background. And like, I do think when you haven't studied a thing or like worked your way up the ladder, Um, in a career you're like almost more free because you don't really know the rules you haven't got everything drummed into your mind and so you can just like yeah you can just explore and find your own style and I think it's quite freeing really. Uh,
2: Yeah I agree like there's like an element of the design community that's um, a bit like gatekeeping in a way um, who kind of have that traditional educational background and kind of see that there's only like one way to do things and uh, I sometimes I get like a bit imposter syndrome about it that I don't have that background but like you said I think it's just sometimes just a bit more freeing because I don't have that kind of anything holding me back of being like well that's not what design is yeah Um, and because I have the marketing background there's still like there's still the strategy behind it and I'm focused on making sure that the website is an extension of the marketing strategy that they have so um, as far as the design goes I can be have a bit more fun with it maybe. And do you get to use your writing? I do yeah well I mean I write all of my own stuff which is fun and um, I kind of um, help with copy a lot in the back end in the background because um, a lot of the small businesses that I work with um, don't necessarily have the budget to kind of do their copy with a copywriter. (laughs) Um, so I, I get to do like a bit of copy editing and stuff like that and all of my writing for myself, which is good. And, um, I find that that suits me better. Um, I did when I was content writing as a market consult marketing consultant, I just found that I prefer to write things for myself, um, as much as I love writing, um, Doing it as a as a professional was not my calling, I guess. Yeah, I know because it's a completely different
0: style of writing, isn't it? It is, um, and it's it's kind of lovely that you have kept that creative spark sacred. That you know that writing is for you, but like so yeah. for web design, is like you know that's what keeps the lights on. And um, so, was there like a brand or a catalyst in the industry that? just made you realize that there needs to be more soulful web design and like and kind of not just ready to go squarespace templates that everyone has
2: yeah i mean i think the concept is kind of um an amalgamation of everyone i've ever looked up to and admired in business and even like back when i was a blogger um just the kind of you know um the individuality that a lot of people have I think it's important when to have that shine through and I actually think that having the blogging background has helped with that a lot because so much I know that a lot of a lot of bloggers are very similar to each other but so much of it is like very much about having a personal connection with your audience and like leading with your personality and your values and stuff like that um and I've always kind of allow myself to be led by my heart and soul so i don't always do the thing that's going to make me the most money um because i would have stayed on like in corporate marketing if i did (laughs) but um i want to make a difference and i want to live my life in a way that feels good and i know that there are other people out there people in business who feel the same way and i think design in general not just website design has the power to make that difference because like when design is inclusive and strategic but also heart-led you get all of these soulful businesses that rise to the top and show the profit-first corporations that you can have it both ways you can have like the soul of a business and be successful like whatever that means to you
1: Mm,
0: I love it and I just love that you keep using the word soul I love that (laughs) word um yeah (laughs) I haven't you for this question but because you kind of take an um an holistic a holistic approach to kind of your clients and seeing them you know soulfully do you coming from a marketing background do you kind of um do kind of all your background re- background research differently now with clients because you're kind of taken into account that you want to present them soulfully does that make sense
2: yeah um so there's uh, I have like a brand questionnaire kind of thing that we kind of start off with, and there's probably an extended getting to know you period with my clients. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't know how other web designers operate their businesses, but um, I really focus on just having conversations with people to try and understand what it what really drives them. And you probably do a similar thing as a copywriter, like because mm-hmm. you're trying to get the voice of them um, through into the writing. So I kind of look at it in a similar way of trying to get who they actually are, understand that, and then um, see how I can turn that into, like, a strategic design. And um, if they don't have a marketing plan in place that I can refer to having conversations about what their goals are and uh, for, like, the next, you know, six to 12 to five years, six to 12 months to five years. Um, and You know, like making sure that their design can support that vision and that um, whatever we create for them is fluid and will grow with them.
0: Mm. Oh, yeah, I love that. And I I think with, well, often with copywriting, um, a lot of the brands I've worked with have been startups. So it's Mm. also like a bit of a coaching session too because you're still working out what their voice is and what their brand personality is. And um, yeah yeah you kind of take on all these kind of nurturing roles and so yeah so th- what what you're describing that you've created for yourself is very kind of anti-hustle you know yeah, let's work in the tech industry and make like <laughs> like lose money so um I know that you're kind of all about slow soulful business so I just want to ask you what exactly do you mean by running a slow intentional business what does that mean to you
2: well it means like freedom from hustle culture. And um, yes. my, parents, my parents worked really hard their whole life, uh, their whole working life. And they're, I feel like, I mean, they're, re- they're retired now and they're only kind of getting to relax now, I feel like.
1: And I'm not mm-hmm. saying they
2: lived a miserable life or anything like that, um, but I never really saw them taking holidays or sick days, um, kind of ever, let alone when they were actually sick. And mental health days were definitely not a thing. And I think it's it's generational a little bit, like, since they are boomers. But also, I have a really clear memory um, of when I was in high school and my dad had a cancer scare and related surgery. And, like, it was minor surgery, but he literally went to work, like, the next day. Wow. And I just (laughs) couldn't even imagine doing that. And, um. It, like that work unless you're on your deathbed mindset. And um I just kind of realized that I wanted freedom from that. And that's not to say that I don't work hard because or that I wasn't a good employee. Um because I don't know many people who work for themselves who don't work hard, but it just meant that I wasn't going to let myself uh like get trapped in someone else's definition of productivity or of hard work. And mm-hmm um so I wanted to ensure that my business was slow and intentional so that I could have freedom and not feel beholded to anyone um and you know there are so many different um articles and hustle evangelists people who talk about the habits of successful people and really subscribe to the idea that you have to be exhausted in order to be successful and um I think slow business is re- like remembering that success means different things to different people and kind of coming back to what success actually means to you to you so success mean to me means having freedom in my life and um
0: yeah so, sorry
2: can I just jump I, I, yeah. I resonate with everything that
0: you said it's so like it's so funny trying to explain to my parents or grandparents what I do mm. like what well, what do you? What's what? What do you mean? You like can lie in bed till like ten o'clock if you want. I'm like it's fine. So you know I've got my calendar, but they just don't. Yeah, they just don't get it. And like if I'm kind of, you know, I don't know, going to the farmers market or something on a Friday when I should probably be having a full time job, they'll be like, "What kind of world do you live in?" I know. Um,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah, and they 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 definitely think they just don't get it. But yeah, I know free, freedom is, is a big one, and yeah, I just. I don't know. I think when you're like in the early days of business, you get so like swept up and mm. listening to all the podcasts and reading all the blogs and like trying to get loads of clients and be everywhere all at the same time that actually, even if you want to create kind of like a slow business culture, you, you get swept up in the hustle because you're so excited. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of where I'm at. Like even at 11 o'clock, I'm like, what can I do now? Oh, well, just post something on Instagram. So I do. yeah, I know that's what you mean. I, I think- just feels like that's what I want to create in the future but right now yeah. to
2: be slow I have to go fast no I agree and I think it takes um a bit of practice as well because that because I know what you mean as well because coming off of like corporate world you know you're at your desk nine until five and um I really struggled with like accepting that I could stay like sleep in if I wanted to and start work at like ten or whatever and then you know take a long lunch and all that stuff. And um like I still work until eleven some nights if I need to. Um but that's like in balance, I guess. And practicing that balance, I mean it comes with time, I guess. Yeah. And there there's like working for yourself, it's hard to switch off as well. So there's always gonna be those days where you just you know you're, you're sat at your desk for 13 hours, um, and the trade off is getting to go to the farmer's market on a Friday, right? Yeah. So,
0: yeah, it's all about balance, so. it's completely right. And yeah. I guess, like, if I think I have to remind myself, you know, one of my values is yeah. kind of conscious working and you know, slow living in general, um, but I need to embody that at every stage and not just work hard so I can then. Because it's basically doing what our parents are doing, work hard so they can retire, but we're just doing it from our own homes. So yeah. what does your kind of normal work week look like for you?
2: Um, well, I'm actually working on getting down to doing four days a week because I would like to um, I'd like to have long weekends, basically. But, uh, yeah, I kind of have... Um, I do like time blocking basically. <laughs> so I just have like blocks of time where I'm writing and blocks of time where I'm designing and blocks of time where I'm like going to the gym and hanging out with my dog and stuff like that. Cause that's um A how I stop myself from sitting at my desk for 13 hours and re- like remind myself that um there are, there's a life outside of my office kind of thing.
0: Yeah it's it's interesting hearing you talk about it because I've not been to like working because I've not been to Australia and the only kind of reference I have is like all the girls I see on Instagram where they're like married at first straight Australia or, which I'm addicted <laughs> to um, and yeah like it just seems like from a kind of stereotypical point it's the really like laid-back kind of place um but you kind of mentioned before we came on the call that you work with a lot of UK-based businesses and so I'm just wondering like do you come across a lot of like soulful businesses where you live or is it kind of hustle, hustle, hustle?
2: Um, it probably depends on who you talk to and even what part of the country you're in. So because where I'm where I am in Brisbane, we've had like a huge population growth um, over the last two years because people are escaping the big cities of Sydney and Melbourne and um, with the uh, the pandemic as well. Um, Australia hasn't been as as badly affected as other countries, but we've had closed borders for a lot longer, so we still can't travel Mm -hmm. recreationally. We can only travel like we can barely travel interstate at the moment. But um, so with that, we've kind of earned independence in a way, and a greater appreciation for shopping local and small, which. Uh, like, from my perspective, has driven more local entrepreneurial ventures. And mm. um, so I think it's a mixed bag between, like, the hustle culture, the really traditional business style of doing things, but I think there's a chilled, soulful art scene as well, like, underground scene um, in all of the major cities, really, um, that's kind of... um people choosing who they want to be and like how they want to grow their business and um yeah
0: it's it's funny like whenever you're on a and you're in because I'm now trying to think what's it like in the UK actually I'm throwing these big yeah. statements around and I'm thinking hmm what do I mean by that but I think you kind of get into a bit of an echo chamber with social media mm-hmm. like I follow a lot of um accounts of of self-employed creatives, a lot of like potters and um artists and makers. Um and yeah, like so to me, like, you know, my kind of brush with the, the entrepreneurial world is very like, you know, slow and intentional and conscious, yeah. but actually that's just the hashtags that I'm following. Yeah. And you're, you know, I'm probably just you're curating your experience. Um but yeah, I well, I've listened to a lot of American podcasts and audiobooks, um, written by business women. I feel like maybe there definitely is such a girl boss culture, kind of you know, let's make sick figures and, um, and I just feel like now I, people like you, um, yeah, it's just a whole this subculture is just springing up of soulful intentional, which I love. I feel like everyone now needs to use that word, Laura. We're gonna steal it off you and put it <laughs> on the box. So. How then, how do you think website design can support this slow, sustainable approach that you want to cultivate um, in business, people want to cultivate in their businesses?
2: So, well, more than any other part of the digital marketing mix, websites are the thing that you can control. So even in the real world, like radio and TV, but other online spaces as well, we don't necessarily control what happens to them. And we certainly don't have a say in what happens to them long term. So your website is your unique, remarkable slice that you get to point to and say, here's everything you need to know about me. Like, what do you think? And so infusing that design with strategy and personality and values and all of that stuff that's important to us, um, it's kind of saying to your like-minded community, "Your." you're in the right place, you're safe, you're understood and it's signaling to anyone else that they're not going to find what they're looking for here and that's a good thing. Like I'm not everyone's cup of tea but I don't want to be either and um, that's why I believe in soulful, personality-driven design because like recognises like and I (laughs) recognised it in you like, and like finding each other. There's a lot about your digital presence that is really heart-led and soulful so as soon as I spotted you, I knew you were someone that I would like want to connect with, and if we ever worked together, I would feel comfortable and confident that any decisions you made would be from a place, um, from like a mindful and soulful place. And so I guess in answer to your question, um, website design is an extension of the slow sustainable approach to business because it's not asking you to do the hustle thing, like wake up at 5 a.m., or whatever hustle means to you, it's just asking you to be open and honest and show people who you really are, so that the right people for you can find you amongst all of that, all of that noise. Yeah,
0: that that's a lovely testimony, Laura. Yeah, <laughs> but no, completely. You sometimes I'll go on people like come across their website or their social media, and it's not anything they've posted um, yeah. per se, but it's just kind of. I can't even like describe the word it's just a feeling that you get um and I definitely had that with you as well whenever we connected um but maybe you have this problem too do you find a lot of businesses now or like don't need a website no I've got my like 10,000 followers and it's growing on Instagram because I definitely find that as a copywriter like trying to tell businesses no like you don't own Instagram you need you know you need um, a website which you, you know I'll write for you and you need an email list and I think people just got so swept up um and on platforms they don't own especially visual platforms and they kind of because they're getting lots of interaction and a lot of likes they think oh that's it I mean do you do you find that like people it's harder to sell nowadays
2: yeah I mean um I think people are, it's like very tempting to see social media as, as the like replacement for websites, And I get it because social media is free and there's a lot of ongoing costs involved in owning a website, but social media comes and goes. And there are so many platforms that were months massive that have now died. Like MySpace is probably the most obvious example, but Vine as well and Mm -hmm. Clubhouse. Um, yeah flash in the pan last year yeah it really was isn't it <laughs> yeah and like investing time in social media is great but the only guarantee you have is your website and the content that you own so like blog co- b- blog posts podcasts and like email lists because if instagram goes down then that content is gone and even you know being shut down for community guideline violations or just because you lost your password I've seen it happen so many times so mm as you said we don't own social media so having that be the only part of your digital marketing plan that you put time into I, I like I say that it's putting all of your eggs in one basket and then letting that basket be looked after by someone else who doesn't care whether you had, end up with chickens or broken shells like um, <laughs> so having a website is always going to be an important part of a holistic digital marketing plan.
0: Yeah completely and I think like so many people now they check their social media analytics and um, yeah analytics kind of regularly, but they never check their website no. <laughs> you know are yeah. people like engaging with their content what's their bounce rate and I just think it's just vanity metrics we kind of have we just and we aren't very good at now playing like this is like the long sustainable game like wanting for just wanting sustainable growth it's all about like growth kind of expansive but it's not like yeah. deep growth yeah and I feel I feel yeah like social media has just kind of propelled that and you're completely right I mean I follow someone who had like 40,000 followers on Instagram she's a printmaker and she lost yeah her account got hacked and Mm. she had nothing else and she managed to like grow her account back quite quickly but it really did just a good case study of why you need to control yeah why you need to control your platform so I also know that you're really big and like challenging the status quo in your
2: work um so can you tell me a little bit about about that so I believe that as um, designers and marketers, and even just as small business owners, um, we are the taste makers um, of the digital world. So it's not the big corporations that are creating trends that are starting viral trends. It's small creators on TikTok or Instagram who do something cool and innovative, and that is what we see enter the zeitgeist for the next month, years, kind of thing, and they say that, you know, a meme or a trend is dead when the multi-million dollar companies start dumping mm-hmm. it because eventually they will. But because it's small creators and small businesses that create those, uh, those trends, we have the power and even the obligation to make choices that are more inclusive and sustainable and ethical because that flows upwards. And for me, that's not about asking permission to create, to make more inclusive choices. It's about making them as a default and... Um, you know, like even just the bare minimum of choosing inclusive stock photos, um, is like a good example, because if I choose a bunch of images that have different bodies and races and genders in them, it becomes commonplace. And if a client doesn't like it, um, then it's on them to explain why, you know what I mean? Without saying I, I want more skinny white people in my photos (laughs) and They're never going to do that. And it's the same with people, um, with anybody who's kind of creating something for businesses, you can make the choice to be more inclusive, even like in writing, in the words you choose for your clients, making it commonplace and making that the trend. Because what business is going to turn around and say, no, we don't want these people included? And if they do, then that's why we have termination (laughs) clauses.
0: Yeah. Oh, good for you. And so do you think then for small creative businesses like ours that we kind of should be disrupting the status quo and that they, that we exist to kind of make a change in the world, make a fairer, greener place, as well as just, you know, making money and kind of having personal satisfaction at the end of the day.
2: Yeah, I do. And um, I have the circles that I run in or the echo chamber that I'm in, but I feel like the age of profit first business is in decline. Um. And more people kind of waking up to and questioning the fairness and wisdom of the like unrelatable celebrity entrepreneurs, the like millionaire, billionaire entrepreneurs, the ones that are charging like thousands of dollars a day for a three-day conference don't really have the individual's best interest at heart except their own. And I think people are getting wise to it and even getting wise to the greenwashing that brands engage in. And I know that there will probably be a place for brands like H&M, for example, for a long time to come, but more and more people are starting to wonder how on earth a brand um, can make any green claims and then turn around and sell a shirt for a dollar and bring in new styles every week. Um, It's just not possible. So in 2021, I think if you're only in it for yourself, for the profit, and you're not thinking about the wider, social and even environmental impact of your business then I don't think you're paying attention
0: <laughs> mm, completely and I think it's a big red flag now whenever someone is making a really grandiose claim mm. I mean I used to all these online courses that cost thousands and thousands of pounds and was like oh like that is the thing if I purchase this course and I did um did do some of these courses in the end and like they, they and I saw like a lot of women in my group like utterly in debt like completely yeah. in debt because they thought if they like took out a credit card and bought this course that this like like million billion dollar entrepreneur was promising that that's the key to like be as rich as me yeah and it was just so like it was just so heartbreaking like thinking that they needed to get into debt because there was this one answer this blueprint they needed to find yeah um, I do really knew um I've diverted away from like the question but yeah I just think that is a big thing and with the greenwashing as well like yeah <laughs> I mean oh, there's so many big brands like I love green and Blacks chocolate do you have that in Australia?
2: I'm aware of the brand I don't know if we have yeah. it yet, but I know
0: it yeah yeah so it's like you know really like well the packaging's all organic and ethical but I only found out the other day it was bought over by Cadbury's a couple of years ago which is oh. like one of the most you know worse for cuckoo and child labor and
2: yeah
0: um yeah and so even when supermarkets and stuff you're kind of like anywhere you kind of think is this is this is this true it's really i don't know you it takes a lot of work to kind of sift through and be discerning and like these claims sorry i'm kind of rambling on now, but
2: yeah
0: you're what you're saying so what would be your advice then for business owners who kind of, yeah, they want to take an ethical stance um, and maybe they haven't done things ethically in their business, but they've just come to it now um, and they want to make some changes, but they're afraid about what it might mean for their business if they might lose some profit. Um, Yeah, what would you say to them about running a
1: soulful business?
2: Well, I'd be encouraging anyone who is worried about the cost to their business. Um, to like just keep returning to what's important to them and think about who you want to cater to. So thinking about that target audience. So this is part of your marketing plan, um, and thinking about what that ethical st- stance would mean to that target audience. So um, so is showing support for indigenous land rights, for example, which is a big thing here in Australia, worth mm-hmm. alienating people who think those things don't those rights don't exist but perhaps welcoming people who do. And I know, like, I know who I'd rather serve in my business. And even though one of those groups might be more vocal than the other, that doesn't mean that it's larger. And um, there are like 7 billion people on the earth, on the planet or something like that. And as a service provider in my business as it currently exists, I can probably serve like 30 of them a year if I'm feeling ambitious. So, to me, it's a no-brainer who I who I want those 30 people to be and what I want them to believe in. And even your average product-based small business, like a brick-and-mortar store, how many people do you really need to cross your threshold realistically in a year? In a city like mine, we have 2.3 million people and growing, and there's no way any singular business is serving all of those people. So – um. It's about letting go of that fear that standing for something means losing business because you can't and will never be able to count, be able to cater to everyone anyway. So it's almost a moot point. Um, There's there's actually a hairdressing salon local to me who has started offering a 15% discount to anyone who has has gotten both COVID vaccinations and um, they received a lot of backlash to that obviously. And so while they've endured quite a bit from um, like local to centres online, their business is still there and even gaining ground because mm-hmm. um, like the cynical marketer in me actually sees that as kind of a smart PR sales move because they've got huge engagement on social media and they even ended up on, on the news um, on a few different local news shows. So it was almost like, like advertising, free advertising. And then... Um, like-minded individuals are going to go there and be like, hell, yeah, I'm going to get a 15% discount on my haircut. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter to you if that, like, unvaccinated people are going to walk away. Like, that's a question you have to ask. Like, do you care? Like, is this important to you as a business? And, like, where are your lines? What do you draw the line of what you will and won't accept in your business?
0: Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's where knowing your values really well and having yeah. them pinned really comes into it. And I think, you know, yes, you might lose some business, but then you'll attract kindred spirits who are happy yeah. to pay that much extra. And I think it's probably, you know, like you said, working out how much, how many people you need in your bricks and you brick some mortar shop to kind of keep everything ticking. And it's the same. Like, I think if you really passionately believe something and are really, you know, you stick to your core values, then losing x amount is okay like you can sacrifice that uh, you can sacrifice that so do you feel so you said you kind of find coming from a non-design background kind of freeing do you find though since you've been in the industry there is kind of a lot of like things you're told to do there's still a lot of trends and should do's and pressures that you're meant to follow but you're like no disrupt this <laughs> I'm gonna do my own thing
2: yeah I think uh, there is and I think there's should do's in any area of the business world and I've kind of mentioned this before but in the design world um there's like gatekeeping about education and skill um so there's like a community of designers who believe that if you use Canva in your business you have no right charging for that for example and um, ones that You know, I've seen website designers who specialize in like Weebly or Wix um, get absolutely demolished in design Facebook groups for daring to ask for money for that. And I think it's ridiculous. Like if someone wants someone to build them a website in Weebly, then who is anyone else to tell that person that they're not allowed to be paid for it? So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just focusing on how you want to like what you're passionate about and how you want to build your business and kind of having those blinders on. Um, like those blinkers on for just staying in your own lane and not listening to what anyone else has to say. And as far as, like, trends go, there's a lot to be said for being modern and not being outdated um, from a design perspective, but that doesn't mean chasing trends either because trends come and go and what's going to work better long time um, for a slow business, um, slow business in particular, is having consistent style and aesthetic and... um, Brand voice and all those things that stand the test of time over just chasing trends kind of thing.
0: Yeah, and so I kind of now I want to ask you a practical question. Yeah. Um, for someone who is setting up a website. Um, and they don't have a budget to work with someone like you or, or a copywriter. And can you maybe offer some tips on um, kind of creating a thoughtful, soulful website on a budget? Um, I mean, is Squares like is Squarespace okay? <laughs> How you?
2: yeah Yeah, I mean I've worked with clients in Squarespace. It's like it's a great platform and it serves the purpose that it's there for, which is supporting small businesses. And I don't think um, yeah, I just don't really believe that um I mean that every single platform kind of has its place in The business world and if the platform that you're using Squarespace, Weebly, Wix, WordPress, WordPress is obviously being my specialty, um if it supports your business and the growth that you have for that business then there's no like wrong or right answer like yeah wrong or right answer to the question um as long as it has the functionality that you need it to have then it's not wrong it's not wrong and there'll be people who disagree with me like um you know, Wix still doesn't have the best SEO features. So, like, mm-hmm. WordPress is still the best choice for SEO. But if that's not a focus for your business, if you're not concerned about your Google ranking, then, like, it doesn't matter. Um, so, um, but, yeah, I mean, I love DIY design. I think everyone should have a crack at it, like, even even someone who does have the money for a designer, because um, knowing how your website works is... Um, important for ensuring that it stays up to date, like long after your designer has kind of moved on. And easy things that DIYers can do without a designer um, is to make those like inclusive design choices that I mentioned about the stock imagery and all of that stuff. And then choosing fonts that are easy to read, dyslexic friendly, and even thinking yes, about how. So I, sorry, I do
0: you know what? I want to ask you that. Um, yeah. Because what, like, Well, I see people posting about that. I'm like, what does that mean? What kind of fonts are like user-friendly? Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so um, often, so I mean, with websites, there's like the default fonts, like I mean, like Calibri is a good example Mm -hmm. um, because that font was specifically created to be read on a screen. um, So it's not for like printing out documents it's the way it's been designed is um, to make it easy to be read on a screen. It's not tiring. Um, the the shapes of each letter is very different. Um, and so that makes it easier for people with like reading disabilities to to be able to focus on the word, if that makes sense. And um, so, you know, there's heaps of really great fonts similar to Calibri, like Calibri. Um, Montserrat and Arial is a good example as well it's a really common one um that maybe is like maybe the boring choice but Mm -hmm. it's the choice that um is accessible is is accessible yeah and you can um have like your accent fonts like your pretty script fonts and your beautiful like slab serifs and all of that stuff all the really graphic fonts but don't have that be the the crux of your website don't have that be um you know paragraphs of script font because even for someone who is well cited and like a fluent English speaker it's hard to read like um yeah. so so give it to like to
0: test out before you launch it into the world make sure she can read it
2: yeah and and like even just having um like a a big font size and like a good line height and things like that. And not having like a really soft gray font on like a white background that sort of thing. Um, Just having like the high contrast between the colors, um, which there are tools online you can use to check the contrast to make sure that it's um, meeting those accessibility guidelines. But yeah, just little things like that. And it doesn't have to impact the design or like your brand identity in any way just um like making small adjustments here and there to make your website more accessible. I actually have um a webinar out at the moment um called creating your magnetic presence which has heaps of actionable advice for DIYers um so you can find that on my homepage. <laughs> yeah I'll link it in the show
0: notes. Oh definitely oh that sounds great. I've just learned like you know these are just things you don't I would have never thought about no. fonts really and you know because if you you know you follow all the good design rules and someone goes on your website they're not going to notice do you know what I mean like you're the only yeah. one who's going to notice that your font is boring you know yeah. that people only notice if it's hard to read and yeah, yeah exactly. it's got a pink background and beige text yeah. yeah they're really good practical tips so coming into something more like uh, intangible now how can we create with soul I know for me like I do a lot of, well, I've sorted to do a lot of automatic writing in the morning, just like taking my morning pages and just let my hand drift. And, you know, I have a journal that I write um, at night. You know, this is how my day went. You know, my heart is broken, blah, blah. blah. But (laughs) I keep, you know, I keep my, my morning pages just for that sort of stream of consciousness. And that really helps me tap into that, you know, small intuitive voice. Um, And that's where I can then soulfully sit at my desk for six hours and write some dry copy maybe. (laughs) um, Yeah. What about you? How do you create with soul?
2: Yeah. I I mean, it's different for everybody. And I think it's important for creatives like like you and me to have those things that are separate from work that are just like fun kind of like stream of consciousness stuff. And, um, you know, um for me, like creating with soul means like trusting your gut and like trusting your heart when it's telling you something. And so any design, uh, any business decisions rather should be made with strategic growth in mind. But there's an intersection that means you get to do it your way. And I think um, as often as possible, think always as often as possible about what's really important to you and how you can take action to support that vision and then just create every day create for the sake of it create without profit in mind and create imperfectly um like create for your soul and then the rest will follow
0: yeah love it and i think now it's September and it's that kind of a back to school feeling it's made me want to take up like lots of hobbies again um I, you know I, I got my camera out the drawer it's been lying there I went to the, the hobby store to buy an embroidery kit but they didn't have any oh, everyone that. else has got the same idea but <laughs> just yeah it's like I can't I kind of have realized that all my soulful endeavors can't just come from client like it's not client work that's not the thing yeah. that yeah will feed you and light you up and I think spending so long at a screen now has really shown me the importance of actual physical creativity, creating something with your hands or your voice or um, just to keep that kind of magic alive. So that when I do sit down at my desk, you know, there's a lot comes out.
2: I think that's like possibly one of the more beautiful things about like being in lockdown is that we've kind of all been encouraged to slow down and just do creative things. Like, I know every, people thought it was a bit silly, but with the banana bread thing, like yeah. I thought that was wonderful that everybody was just taking time out from their day to bake banana bread. Cause what's more rewarding yeah. than that? Like that's beautiful. And yeah, like I started um, like painting in lockdown and I started doing puzzles and stuff like that, just doing like things with my hands that weren't anything to do with my work. And I never did that before. I never took the time before. Yeah, so.
0: Yeah, no, I know. I went through a sardo phase and yeah. then a gardening phase. And then whenever the world started opening up, I was a bit like, not have to water all these things. <laughs> it didn't last very long. So we kind of touched on this, but what what are the biggest joys and challenges you face of running your own business and being self-employed?
2: So, well, the biggest joys would probably be like the opportunity to like connect with and work with other passionate business owners and kind of getting to sticky beak into so many different industries um because i love to learn new things and um it's always fun to learn how people are making a difference in their businesses um for example right now i'm working with um, a permaculturist so oh. i'm learning about like regenerative gardening which is really fascinating, and um, yeah just the like transformation I get to see small businesses make um with getting like that website that they feel proud of um it's just feels really good to me and then the challenges are really just the comparison (laughs) um like the doubt that seeps into um what you do and it's important to know that everybody feels that way sometimes but um, we say a lot that social media is a highlight reel but it can be hard not to compare your bad days weeks and months to the highlight reel and um, like everyone struggles to pay bills and has like late invoices stuff like that it, like it's hard to work for yourself but I think it's worth
0: yeah worth it I know I, I definitely haven't been monitoring my imposter not even imposter syndrome but like comparison syndrome and um, I follow all these amazing copywriters who I some weeks I love their feed and then other times mm. in the month like oh I'm gonna have to beat them because yeah the
2: comments they got on their thing. <laughs> so, yeah so
0: um
2: all the time one of the best tools because you when you like get over the feeling. You can go back and unmute them, and your friend, you're like you're still friends with them. And stuff like that. But, but it does
0: everyone- definitely stall. Like it definitely stalls me. Like I yeah. I'll get this huge comparison,
2: um, envy
0: thing, and yeah. and then I'll I'll be like, I'm just going to do nothing today. I'm just going to stay in bed. Yeah. So what? yes I love asking people for their book recommendations I've got a long long list what um yeah have you got any book recommendations that have kind of inspired your your work or maybe your mindset or your approach to work
2: yeah so um hashtag authentic by Sarah Tasker. um I think she, that's a wonderful look at creating a community on social media that's really creative um and thoughtful and she has a podcast by the same name and um how to style your brand by Fiona Humberstone. Um she's known as the brand stylist on Instagram. Um and I also recently read Big Magic. Um can't remember that. Yeah. Elizabeth yeah, Gilbert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful look at just creating, as I said, for yourself. Um yeah, I, I prefer to read to pl- for pleasure since so much of my time and brain power is like taken up by business. But I always come back to um, Hashtag Authentic and How to Start Your Brand. I think they're wonderful books.
0: Yes, I actually have just kind of rediscovered Sarah Tasker's podcast. I, I yes. used to listen to her years ago, like before, like when I worked full-time um and I kind of always wanted like oh one day I'll have like a business maybe um so I listened to her but now I'm like listening to her kind of with my business head on and being like yes. yeah so i definitely have to seek out her book
2: yeah it's really good
0: yeah so one last parting piece of advice <laughs> for I just this advice isn't for anyone else except me because I've got like a little coaching book of all these pet talks you guys are given me but- <laughs> Um, Yeah, what would you say to someone who is trying to run a soulful business?
2: Um, I think so. I'd say it's often easier said than done, um, but keeping those blinders on, obviously look to others that you admire for guidance and support, but never stop listening to your gut and what your soul tells you is the right thing to do. And if you do something that's outside of that, um, that makes you feel like you've sold out a little bit or... um, just doesn't feel right like forgive yourself and like and move on because it's a privilege to be able to turn down work that isn't soulful that isn't totally aligned so if you do falter and misstep or make a mistake recognize it own it and like forgive yourself and move on and um like always be open to listen and learn especially from people who know better than you. And it's not a weakness to admit that you don't know something and see- and seeking those answers elsewhere. And I think a lot of people are scared of making claims um, to being ethical, sustainable, for example, because um, there can be a lot of judgment that comes with it. Um, and like, it can be harsher and swifter when it's not perfect. But uh, like, I believe in taking imperfect action because that Imperfect action is what you learn from, and learning from that is a direct pipeline to one day taking more perfect action, um, like whatever perfect action means. Mm. Um, as long as you're open to learn, um, then I think that you're on the right track.
0: Laura, where can people find you
2: online? Uh, well, I'm Laura F. Creates um, on Instagram and Everywhere, really, and um, on my website at laurafcreates.com. I have enjoyed
0: this conversation so much, and it's definitely made me now go and look at my Squarespace site <laughs> so I can give it more soul. Thanks so much, Laura.
2: Thank you for having me. And
1: that's it for episode nine any links mentioned will be in the show notes. If you have a friend who you think would enjoy this conversation, please send them the link so they can listen too. And I'd really appreciate if you left a rating and review as it helps other conscious creatives discover the show. As always, you can find me over on Instagram at thewildfolk.studio. Until next
2: time, stay wild.